Again, Mark 14, or excuse me, Mark 15, verse 40 through chapter 16, verse 8. We'll read about Jesus' burial and Jesus' resurrection. Uh, verse 40 begins, There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid." Uh, the first thing that we see here in this passage is that when Jesus died during his crucifixion, uh, there were certain women who had accompanied Jesus in Galilee and come with him to Jerusalem and who had ministered to him uh, throughout his ministry, who were present, uh, who were witnesses of Jesus' death. He mentions specifically Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary the mother of James the Younger, and of Joseph, and uh, a woman named Salome. Now, uh, these were not the only women that were with Jesus and were looking on at the cross because he says, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and so on. So those are just the ones that he singles out and mentions by name. But there was a, apparently a company of women who had ministered to Jesus and who were witnesses of his crucifixion, and we'll see in chapter 16, and we see this, uh, I think, in all four of the Gospels, that the first witnesses of the empty tomb were women. So um, one of the things that this, uh, there are a couple of things that this um, points out to us. One, it reminds us of how Jesus uh, treated women and uh, how women responded to Jesus' ministry. So uh, Jesus' ministry was not focused exclusively on men. In fact, he, um, 
even surprised his disciples in the way that he interacted with the woman at the well in Samaria. It was not the custom for Jews to talk to Samaritans at all, um, and not really, um, and certainly not a Samaritan woman. Um, but Jesus consistently throughout his ministry treated women with dignity and respect and, um, Women were uh, responsive to his ministry, just like men were. Uh, There were women who he healed. There was a widow whose son he raised. Um, You remember the woman who uh, anointed Jesus uh, for burial. Um, You remember the occasion when his his, um, feet were wiped with the tears of a woman who was in the house where he was reclining at table. So um, the New Testament um, elevates women like almost nothing else, perhaps, in in the ancient world. Um, Jesus treated women with respect and dignity. He valued them as people made in the image of God, and they were a significant part of his ministry. Um, It's also significant because most other people at the time did not see women as equal with men, and um, women's testimony would not have been deemed as valuable, at the least, as a man's testimony. And so the fact that these women are at the cross as witnesses and show up at the tomb as uh, witnesses uh, gives this story the ring of authenticity. This is not the kind of thing you would make up, in other words. Uh, If you were going to make up uh, the most credible witness that you could come up with, for a story that you were creating, you wouldn't create women as the chief witnesses. You would create men in in that culture at that time. Um, But those weren't the first witnesses, and the gospel writers don't change that. Uh, And so that shows the authenticity of the account, as well as showing um, how Jesus had uh, ministered to uh, himself and been ministered to Uh, by these women. So uh, after his death, um, he was crucified on Friday. And at Friday evening is when the Sabbath starts. The Sabbath is Saturday. And Jews reckon the days um, evening and then morning, like in the creation account. Um, And so the Sabbath starts Friday evening when the sun goes down. And so that time was approaching And so a man named Joseph of Arimathea, this is in verse 42 and 43, a man named Joseph of Arimathea, um, it says, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. So rather than leave his body on the cross on the Sabbath, which of course they didn't want to do, and rather than leave it up to the Romans or who knows who to dispose of Jesus's body, Joseph of Arimathea goes and asks for the body of Jesus who has just been crucified as a criminal and an enemy of the empire. So this was a courageous act. Mark does not choose that word lightly. It's a a courageous act that uh, Joseph uh, identifies himself with Jesus by requesting his body. You don't do that unless you're a friend or a disciple or somebody who's concerned about this person. Um, And here Mark says that Joseph was looking for the kingdom of God, which is, of course, what Jesus was preaching and what Jesus brought into the world through his birth, life, death, and resurrection. 
Um, in Matthew, uh, Matthew's gospel, Matthew 27, 57, we're told that Joseph was a disciple of Jesus. So he was not just sort of interested in Jesus. He had been a follower of Jesus, was a follower of Jesus. And so um, Joseph asked for the body of Jesus. And then notice this in verse 44, Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. Now, this is significant too, because, uh, well, first of all, uh, crucifixion was often a long, drawn out death. It was not a quick death. We know it was a painful and awful death, but it was also often a long and painful death. In Jesus's case, it was not. It was fairly brief as crucifixions go. And so that's why Joseph was surprised that Jesus was already dead. In fact, you remember um, in uh, at least one of the Gospels, we're told that uh, they came, They didn't want these um, Jesus and the, and the two thieves crucified. They didn't want them to be still on the cross on the Sabbath, especially not at Passover. And so they broke the legs of the, t- the two men who were crucified with Jesus uh, so that they would die more quickly. Um, and Jesus, they didn't have to break his legs because he had already died. So um, Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus had already died. And so he asked the centurion, who was responsible for overseeing Jesus' crucifixion, whether Jesus was already dead. And the centurion told him that he was. And so then Pilate granted the body of Jesus, the corpse, uh, this translation says, the corpse of Jesus to Joseph. Now that's significant because one of the main purposes of telling us this, not only of narrating Jesus' burial, but also of telling us that Pilate uh, went through this process to make sure that Jesus was already, in fact, dead, is to emphasize before Jesus is raised from the dead on Sunday that he did, in fact, die as a result of crucifixion. Some people have speculated, try, you know, trying to sort of, I don't know, explain away the resurrection. Some people have speculated, well, Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He just swooned is the word they use. Um, He passed out, basically. And then he was placed in the tomb, and the cold air in the tomb revived him, woke him up. So it wasn't really a resurrection so much as a, a not a real death. He just came back. They thought he was dead, but he wasn't. Of course, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what happened. Uh, And there are all kinds of reasons for that. We won't go into all those now. But here you have Pilate, who's not going to hand over somebody who's been crucified as a criminal if he's not dead yet. Uh, Talk to the centurion, who is the soldier responsible for overseeing this death, who we can pretty safely assume has witnessed hundreds, if not thousands of deaths. He knows if somebody's dead or not, and probably his life it would be on the line if he was mistaken about Jesus being dead. Confirms to Pilate that Jesus is dead. So the point of saying this is to emphasize, no, he really was dead. Jesus was really, truly dead. He breathed his last 
He died and he was buried. This was no mistaken uh, you know, confusion about his death. He really died. All right. Um, and so uh, when he gave the corpse then to Joseph, verse 46 says, Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. So Joseph buries him in a tomb that was cut out of the rock. So um, you presume, uh, I would think, that that would be the kind of tomb that's not easy to miss. Um, It's pretty significant. It's not just this plot of ground or that plot of ground sort of in a row where you might get confused about which plot is which. I mean, this is a this is a tomb that is literally cut into the side of a massive rock. All right, so there's no mistaking where he is. And to emphasize that, verse 47 says that Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. So they didn't just sort of hear, oh, Jesus was buried in a tomb somewhere, show up at a tomb that happens to be empty, and then come to the conclusion, Jesus must be alive, when they didn't realize it, but they accidentally showed up at the wrong grave. That's not what happened. Mark tells us these women witnessed the burial of Jesus so that we will know when they come on Sunday morning, to finish the prepare the the preparations for his burial that they didn't get to finish because of the rush of the oncoming Sabbath that limited them on what they could do. When they come to the tomb, they know where they're going. They've been there before. They saw where Jesus was laid, where Joseph put him. All right, so um, so that's the point of these verses, right? To emphasize that Jesus is really dead. And that these witnesses of not only his death, but his resurrection uh, knew what they were looking for, knew where they were going. This is not uh, a matter of confusion or mistaken location or, um, you know, making a mistake about Jesus's death. All of this really happened. He really died. He was buried in a tomb and they knew where it was. And then when they came on Sunday morning, after the Sabbath, which was Saturday, verse 1 says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. So this is their plan to go finish the, pre- the proper preparations for burial. Again, they were rushed because of the Sabbath uh, coming Friday night. And so when they placed Jesus in the tomb, they didn't get to go through all of the the normal preparation. So they're coming to complete those. They couldn't do it on the Sabbath, right? Because you're supposed to rest on the Sabbath. They couldn't do it on the Sabbath, but they come on Sunday to finish those. Verse 2 says, Very early on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Remember, it was a huge stone that had been rolled in front of the entrance. These ladies know that they won't be able to remove it themselves. They, I guess, didn't think much about that before they went to the tomb. And so now on their way, they're thinking, Ooh, how are we going to get in here? What what if there's nobody there to roll the stone away from us? What are we going to do? And then verse 4 says, Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. So they go to the tomb, and they 
do not find what they expected. They expected to find the stone still in front of the tomb. They expected to find inside the tomb the body of Jesus, which they were going to complete preparing for burial. Now, this is significant because Jesus had told them, had told his disciples anyway, that he was going to rise from the dead on the third day. None of his disciples understood that. There were many things that Jesus said that his disciples did not understand at the time, but particularly what he said about his resurrection. They could not grasp. They did not get it. And one of the reasons why they didn't, and this has been pointed out uh, by at least one scholar in particular who's emphasized this, and and it's important for us to know and to think about because um, living as we do on this side of the resurrection and having the New Testament, we don't often think about this. But we've seen that in the Old Testament, uh, there are prophecies about resurrection uh, that uh, Daniel 12, 2, Isaiah 26, um, even Exodus 3, Jesus uses to teach about the resurrection. So it's clear from the Old Testament that there is going to be a resurrection. And in the New Testament, the Pharisees, uh, one of their distinctives is they believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees do not. So Not all Jews, but many Jews at the time of Jesus believed that there was coming a day of resurrection. But here's what this scholar emphasized that it's so easy for us to overlook and forget. Nobody was expecting one resurrection, one person to be raised from the dead. All the Jews were expecting a day, or many of the Jews were expecting a day to come when all the righteous would be raised from the dead together. But no one was expecting that one individual would be raised from the dead. Nobody was expecting the Messiah even to be raised from the dead, partly because almost no one was expecting the Messiah to die in the first place. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, this was totally unexpected, even though he had told them to expect it, because this was not a part of what the Jews had been able to see clearly in the Old Testament. Now, looking back, we can see indications that uh, we should have expected the Messiah to rise. But uh, nobody got those, or at least almost nobody got those references at the time. So nobody was expecting, like, the women didn't come to the tomb on Sunday morning going, okay, I wonder if he's up yet. You know, I wonder if he's out of the tomb yet. They, They weren't expecting that. They were expecting his body to still be there. But when they get there, they find the stone rolled away. They find an angel there who tells them not to be afraid because Jesus has risen. He's not here, he says. See the place where they laid him. So here's here's the evidence. The, The angel is not standing outside of a sealed tomb saying, he's not in there, take my word for it, just trust me, God raised him from the dead. No, he says, look. Look, here's the place where his body was. The tomb is open for anybody to investigate that wants to. He's simply not here. He's risen. And uh, by the way, he told you that, right? Um, Go, He says, go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. He told you that after his resurrection, he would see you again in Galilee. And he's going to do just what he said. So go tell his disciples to be ready for that. So um, they didn't find Jesus, uh, but instead they were told to go find the disciples and tell them 
that Jesus was going to uh, appear to them in Galilee, just as he told them ahead of time. And then verse 8 says, They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, um, that is sounds like a very um, authentic way for these women to have responded, right? Uh, they were not going to be automatically overjoyed with no misgivings about this. They were not expecting this at all. They have been totally taken by surprise. They have just seen and been spoken to by an angel, which by the way, just about any time that happens to anybody in the Bible, they're scared out of their minds, right? Um, And so uh, they run away trembling, uh, seized by astonishment, and they, at first at least, didn't say anything to anybody because they were afraid. And that is how uh, the Gospel of Mark might have ended. Now, next week we will talk about, uh, Lord willing, verses 9 to 20 and whether or not those belong in the Gospel of Mark. You may see there in your Bible that uh, you, you might have a note that says some of the earliest manuscripts do not include Mark 16, 19 to 20. So that's why we're stopping tonight at verse 8. We'll talk about verses 9 to 20 uh, next time and whether they belong in Mark or, or not. Um, some people think that verse 8 would not have been an appropriate way for the Gospel of Mark to end, but I don't think that has to be the case. I think uh, this is a very, if it did end this way, it's a very appropriate way to end. Jesus has been raised. We've got witnesses to the resurrection, and there's a mixed uh, response, right? They're afraid, and they're trembling, um, but they are going to go tell the disciples, even though they don't say anything to anybody at first. And this is not that different than how the Gospel of Matthew ends. When Jesus gives what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, it says uh, that the disciples worshipped him, but some doubted. And that was, you know, perhaps after uh, having seen him before. It may not have been the first appearance to the disciples, in other words, when they saw him that time. And they're still not sure what to think about all this. They're still doubting. So, again, I think this is a very authentic uh, you know, uh, um, authentic sounding way for the gospel of Mark to conclude because nobody was looking for the resurrection of a single person, not even the Messiah. No one was expecting Jesus to rise from the dead, even though he had told them that he would. Uh, they were taken by surprise. Um, and at first they were startled and afraid and amazed and didn't know what to think or who to trust or who to talk to. But once the truth sunk in, and we see this in the book of Acts, once the truth sunk in, nobody who witnessed Jesus' resurrection was ever the same.